Hey everyone, it's Jay here. I just wanted to interrupt you before you listen to the episode and say that first of all, we'd like to thank the amazing Georgie, aka Chapsketch, for working with Squidge to create the featured image for the entire Cupboard of Shame series. You should take a look at your podcatcher right now. Seriously, it's amazing. Go check it out. I think you'll agree that it's an amazing piece and that you should definitely check out Georgie's work. There will be links in the show notes appearing in your podcatcher and on the website, i.e. over at wafflingtailors.rocks, where you can find out more and even perhaps commission a piece. I don't know. Tell them, tell Georgie that we sent you and she'll know where the works come from because Georgie's ace. Anyway, I'm going to let you listen to the show now. Catch you later. Now I've got your attention. Before the spiel of the intro stuff goes on, I just want to mention this show contains swears, so please be aware if there are little ones around, there are going to be swears. I can't tell you how bad they're going to be, but the most egregious ones will be bleeped. Enjoy the show! With the invention of the Roll With J series, I thought I might throw my hat into creating a segment. I decided to go with a topic that is a demon of my own creation. The Cupboard of Shame. I know that time and effort are needed to make any game. I am in no way saying each game is bad or indeed shameful. Just out of the ordinary for me to have purchased them. I'll be able to cover one game in each segment, giving the reasons for not only buying it, but how much playtime I gave the game in question. Best just to say that I'm going to give this a go and see where it leads. So with that in mind, Cue the intro, please. Ladies and gentlemen, quick content warning before we start today's episode. The game in question, bit of a spoiler, is called Deadly Premonition. Um, the themes behind, the themes in this game and what you do in this game is not meant for kids. Um, not meant for little ones, kids. So please be advised if you're going to play this around family members. We're going to talk about some pretty heavy subjects. But you know what? I'm not going to tell if you won't. So without further ado, let's get on with this. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Cupboard of Shame. I balls it up already. Welcome to another episode of Cupboard of Shame. I'm I'm leaving it in. Uh, my name's Squidge. I'm one half of the Waffling Tailors. This is my show. So anyone that doesn't like it, just turn it off. Jay's not going to be in this one. Um, Cupboard of Shame. Uh, I always do this, but I'll explain again. The Cupboard of Shame is a namesake only. Um, apart from one or two games that come to mind... No game is indeed shameful. A lot of people put a lot of effort into making these games for everyone to play. Again, a couple of uh, notable exceptions, but I won't go into them right now. Um, so the idea is people come onto this show and they talk about games that aren't normally in their wheelhouse of buying. I'll give you a prime example. If you went to a friend's house and they're known for playing first-person shooters such as Call of Duty or Battlefield, you walked into their front room and they're playing Hello Kitty Roller Rink, you might think, well, we know what some reactions would be. My reaction would be, oh, so why are you playing this? What was the attraction to this? You know, is it a guilty pleasure kind of thing where anyone else would go, what the hell are you playing? So I'd try and deep dive it as best I can. Um, you know, try and get some some info about it for someone who play a game. It doesn't have to be a Hello Kit. It might be Sims. I don't know. It might be Onion Ring, Elden Ring, um, whatever it is. Um, 
I'm not going to play it. I don't fancy getting frustrated that much. So without further ado, I will say this isn't just me waffling on to myself in a corner like the very first episode. This is a two-player edition, so I have a guest. So guest, please introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Johnny. I am the Keeper and GM from the Real Play podcast, The Monster's Playbook. I love the fact you waved then as well on an audio podcast. I'm an actor of a sort. Of, of a sort. We're all actors of sorts, I suppose. Playing whatever part we can. <laughs> Mainly when you don't want to go to work and you ring up on the phone, you know, try and act really ill. <coughs> I can't come in. Just fun, fun, fun aside, before I even start, I... A previous job that I had, we're on tangents already, we do tangents a lot here. Previous job I had, um, my boss wouldn't accept any excuse. I'd still get the day off, but I'd have to ring up and tell him I won't get coming in. And I'd sort of play on that, and i said, I can't come in today, or what's your excuse this time? And I said, first of all, it's a reason, not an excuse, and second of all, I'm dead, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> and I just, and that was, oh, all right then, and was, that was the end of the conversation. Uh <laughs> How's that for a tangent? Not not even 10 minutes in. Well, I had a job. The first time I got like a, a grown-up desk job, I, I was so psyched about it. I wrote a song about how good my job was. And then I realized years later that the only thing that I mentioned about the job that was so good was that I can call in sick and no one gets mad at me. <laughs> I don't think I've ever written a, job, uh, a song about a job I've ever had. I remember... I remember the last job that I quit, I was singing as I left the place. Hey, that that counts. And it was, I left it a few days before my birthday, so it was even better, you know. Well, happy birthday. I, uh, I, I can't, I can't repeat the lyrics, um, not even on this show, because it's, Oof. uh, must have been a, wasn't nice. Must have been an interesting job. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I won't go into that. I don't want to name and shame just yet. I ain't had, to, I ain't had enough alcohol to do that. We're here for a um, different kind of shame. Oh, yeah. Well, ish. Depends. Depends how this goes. Of a sort, yeah. yeah. So, seems though you're on the cover of shame, let's, uh, let's get to the main attraction of it. What is the game that you want to pun, yeet, dropkick, and throw with reckless abandon into the cupboard of shame? Uh, the game that I want to put into the cupboard of shame is called Deadly Premonition. Alternately, Deadly Premonition, the director's cut. Most recently, Deadly Premonition Origins. It's come out three times. I have only purchased it twice. Just twice? Yeah. It, in, in my circle of friends, doing that sort of thing is called pulling a Johnny to purchase something <laughs> you technically already own. Alright, okay. Um, not the same as what I did then. I've, I, I don't think there's a, an addition of Skyrim I don't have. But that's the story for another time. Yes, indeed. Uh, <laughs> including the latest one. You know, the, the latest anniversary DLC. Oh, the pack. one for the TI-83? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, um, for me, because I got it on Steam, it took a month and a half to let me to, for the update to let me save my game, so I couldn't go on it for two months. Woof. I don't oh, think yeah, that would have stopped yeah. me. I don't think that would have stopped me from playing it. I, it didn't me either. But the we fact just, that I couldn't just play kept it, it on, like I don't want, I don't want to keep my PC on overnight. Uh, you want to talk about tangents? When I when I was a kid, before we actually before we actually owned a PlayStation, we went and rented one from the from the video game shop down the street. We rented a PlayStation. We rented Final Fantasy VII. We did not know that you had to provide your own memory card. So I played Final Fantasy VII for two and a half days without turning the machine off, and 
then I got to a certain point where you are only allowed to have one fighter in, and I forgot to put uh, cure magic on him, so he died, and it was all gone. <laughs> oh, brutal. Yeah. I love it. Not something I'd try, but... I got back at him by brutal. beating that game 15 times. <laughs> or, or just, you know, smash up the console with, with a hammer. We got the insurance. You know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, someone else is paying for it. Don't worry about it. So, Deadly Premonition. I was... I, I love a challenge, first of all. Um, I do love a challenge. <laughs> um, I'm not going to lie. I did buy this game on release. Uh, yeah. I wasn't planning to. So, I'll set the scene. I'll set the scene before we go any further. It's 2010. Okay? It's the weekend. Due to all extraneous circumstances, I realized I was awake. It was a Saturday... I was unsupervised, so anything was possible. I ventured into my t- into my town centre in the small city that I live in, Kirkland in, in the UK, and I ventured into the town centre. I went to the video game store, and on the video game store, let me just get this right, I've got a picture of it, I saw what looked like to be an adult Jawa in a red coat and an axe staring at me. It said deadly premonition. It also said... Destructoid gave it 10 out of 10. Questionable. So I looked at the back cover. Kind of looked like a, a noir type thing with a couple of couple of pictures. You've got a picture of a woman, a guy trying to kill you. What looks to be you shooting some sort of Japanese horror. And this is what it said on the back. Welcome to Greenville. Uncover the truth of the Red Seed murders and Greenville's many deadly secrets as you delve deeper into this remote rural town where mystery and murder go hand in hand. I'd just like to point out there's no commas there, so that's all one breath. Couldn't do it. So I purchased it, took it home, and hilarity ensued in more ways than one. So that's me setting up the scene. Okay. That's... if you'd like, I give you. I can give you the game facts description. I love this description. Oh, you can do. You can do what you like. It's your show. I this the short. This is the shortest description I could find. Excellent. Apart from, apart from this game's so bad it's good. Right. So this is the game facts description of the 360 version in 2010. This one does have punctuation, so I can actually breathe. Okay. Deadly Premonition is a third-person survival horror action game which puts players in the role of an intuitive intuitive FBI agent, Francis York Morgan. What a name. In the process of investigating a murder, players will examine a series of interlocking mysteries in a remote rural town and encounter an array of complex characters pivotal to unravelling the storyline's mystery. I'm trying not to laugh. Suspenseful action sequences will force players to make strategic moves, uh, gliding by enemies in the shadows or engaging them with long-range weapons or hand-to-hand melee combat. From the unparalleled atmosphere, music and mysterious storyline to driving vehicles and exploring the entire town, I'm trying my best here. Deadly Premonition will offer players a unique and haunting interactive gaming experience unlike any other. That last sentence was bang on. All of the rest of it is absolute nonsense. That it was not <laughs> my experience with this game. It was Technically, it, it did all of those things. I did have, for example, long-range weapons, and there were unique characters. But all the rest of it... <laughs> Buddy, did you write this in the wrong game facts? 
<laughs> I have no idea. But it's just, I, I read that, and as I was reading it, I was cracking up, and I thought, I need to say this. This is just amazing. That 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 is funny for the opposite reason that I thought it was going to be. I know, right? <laughs> okay. So, with that out of the way, I've got a few of the notes and stuff. Sure. First question. What lured you into purchasing this game? And what original format was it on? So I... The first time. Yes, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> the first time I paid human dollars for it. So, I... Uh, as, as opposed to imaginary dollars. Well, they're coming. <laughs> I, um... <laughs> I think I read about this on, on one of those, like, on Kotaku or uh, Polygon, like, one of those sort of retrospectives of a game that slipped through the cracks, but was like, hmm. it was kind of a, this game is so weird, you should play it. And yeah. they described it as, like, if Twin Peaks was a video game. And I'm like, that's a pre-order. That's, hmm. I want to <laughs> I want to play that, because that kind of weirdness it really, really gets me. Uh, but then I find out that it's an Xbox 360 exclusive at the time, and I was crushed. That I'm like, <laughs> my Xbox died two years ago. Is this fate mocking me? But then they did come out with a a director's cut for the PS3, which director's cut implies like there were things that the studio didn't want me to do, but this is what I was really trying to say all the time, which doesn't bode well i think <laughs> so once it once it hit ps3 then it was easy to easy to get absolutely um but i did this but the thing about it like in addition to just how off the wall bonkers it is i will tell you this that when i had it had it for the playstation 3 when i was playing it i would make sure to eject it from the console before i went to sleep because if ever there was going to be a video game that would get infected by a poltergeist and make my TV rocket on in the middle of the night, terrifying me awake, it would be this one. <laughs> if I died and I was like, okay, you can haunt something, but it's got to be a game. I'd be like, I know the one. It's, <laughs> it's so silly, but it's, it's that kind of inscrutable strangeness that it feels like you are looking at the logic of an alternate dimension. Hmm. This, um... I mean, it's strange that you said it's sort of like Twin Peaks, because the game originally was, the original name for the game was Rainy Woods, mm. and it started its life in 2004. Mm -hmm. It got a tech demo in 2007 at the Tokyo Game Show. This is info from Wikipedia, you can look it up yourself, um, about a young and very cynical FBI agent, special agent called David Young Henning. Um, the thing was... Journalists sort of went, looked at him, went, "This is kind of Twin Peaks. Yeah. What the hell are you playing at?" And it just died on its ass. And then a couple of years later, someone said, oh, "Why don't we call it Deadly Premonition and had to have more weird shit in it?" And that's how it came to be. Yeah, yeah. If <laughs> someone did that out with something else, <laughs> I, I, this was something. The game is uh, directed by a, a guy who goes by the name Sweary, uh, or Sweary, as you please. That. I love the idea that he's making a game. Someone says, this is a lot like one of the weirdest TV shows of all time. And his response is to go, oh, you think so? And then make it a hundred times weirder. <laughs> let's, let's just 
jump straight into this. Why the hell not? Yeah. So I'm gonna rec. I always recoil after asking this. So I'll I'll ask it and then recoil because I usually get quite a lot of stuff in my face. What is so bad about this game? <laughs> well, the entire it, it's just it's bafflingly difficult to play. Like, not like it's it's hard or the challenges are strange, but it's like the <laughs> um the the moment to moment interactions are just clunky. Like you run extremely mm. slowly. Uh, you are, as you mentioned, in a rural sort of Pacific Northwestern seeming town in the United States. And because it's a rural town, it's got a lot of square footage and not a lot of things to do. So if you're at the mm. diner and you have to go to the police station, that's in-game miles away. And the car they give you only goes 45 miles an hour. <laughs> but luckily, because you're going to be in the car a lot, the character you play, Francis York Morgan, talks to himself all the time. Scratch that. He doesn't talk to himself. He talks to someone he calls Zach. And he talks almost yes. exclusively about movies in the 1980s. Remember that, Zach? And Tom and Jerry. And Tom and Jerry. And at, <laughs> at first, I was like, I sort of started to feel like this is actually kind of genius because I started to think, am I Zach? Like, is he speaking <laughs> to the that he knows that there is he is the avatar of someone else pushing him around and he's trying to entertain me the player don't worry guys it's way dumber than that oh yeah <laughs> and like so the intriguing mysteries are all super intriguing and then but then like the things that are underneath them this like i guess as unspoiler as spoilery as I can get, even though this is absolutely not a recommendation to play this game, like <clears throat> the story of what actually happened that you uncover beggars belief. Like mm. not only that it was uh, so, would have been so hard to put together that this happened, but that it would be so hard to put it together so that it could happen. Like yeah, it's it's supernatural stuff. It's I think there's there's a flashback at one point to like the 1970s that it all kind of started there. It had something to do with like uh, war crimes and chemical warfare. It's it's a, a, a drug that a demon yeah. in human clothing decides to unleash on a town that makes everyone go crazy. Yeah. And one guy survives by murdering everyone else. And he happens to be in a red trench coat. I don't know how his eyes get glowy. Um, I, I'm going to look into that because I want glowing red eyes. Yeah. That would be cool. Um, Did they have uh, LEDs in the 70s? I don't know. Uh, possibly not. <laughs> uh, you could get like floodlights and just put that plastic stuff over it. Oh. You know, like a color wheel. So this another thing that I have to point out about this game, the opening 10 minutes, <laughs> you you won't even believe it. So you are... It, he's inter You're this As you mentioned, this like intuitive somewhat cocky mm. uh special agent <laughs> is driving in the rain in his mm. car talking to zach recapping the case that he's working on that there's been a series of young women been murdered there's there's a red seed under in them some at some point uh he is doing this on his laptop which is open on the passenger seat driving mm. in the rain working on his computer uh, then he sees a man in a red raincoat s 
skids out of control, flips the car over, and he's stranded in the woods. He's then, I guess, sent to or invaded by a sort of shadowy hellscape where normal enough looking townspeople start to uh, seep up from the ground, except they are all shadowy and smoky. And then they start to bend backwards. And you see that instead of eyes, they have just sort of dark oozing cracks in their heads and they start walking backwards towards you, arms outstretched, moaning horribly, and you have to put them down. And you solve a series of puzzles, and you turn off some stuff, and you find a key, and you get yourself back to the to the road where you meet the sheriff and the deputy. Mm. And then you go, oh, hey, guys, let's go into town. <laughs> <laughs> and this happens several times throughout the game where you're like, you're at a hospital questioning somebody, and you come out of a room, and then there's red vines growing on all the walls, and then there are these nightmare townspeople coming at you, and you have to kill them, and then you get back into the lobby, and then it's like... Let's go to the diner. No one no one explains or references this shadow nope. demon world that you are haunted by. So 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 picture the scene. I've I've got an idea for this. I wanted right, if there was ever a time machine, I wanted to go back in time and be in the room while we're discussing the story, right? We're in a storyboard meeting. A guy called Tim, we'll call him. He said, guys, we've been told to make a game. Twin Peaks is out the window. We can't do it. And we've been told, here's a direction. It's Silent Hill, but not, because copyright reasons. But we need to make it our own. So how are we going to do it? And everyone's like, I don't know. I said, well, I, I anticipated this. What I've got here is a giant board with a load of sticky notes. And here's 12 darts. You're each going to take it in turns to throw a dart. Okay, I took suggestions from everyone, you know, they could put ideas on this dartboard and whatever it is, we'll make a game out of it. So they started throwing it and it, he's watching this and he goes, okay, there's drug use. Okay, plants growing out of women, weird, but all right. A demon that lives forever, some sort of government experiment, I'm liking this. Um, you know, the townspeople have to avoid rain, that's fine. Ritualistic murder, we're into it, main character's got a split personality. I love all these ideas. Uh, sir, person from the back, you've missed one of the sticky notes. What do you mean? Let me have a look. Sex dungeon cult underneath a bar. <laughs> he looks around the room and he goes, Jenkins, was that you? And he walks right up to him nose to nose and he said, justify yourself. How can you make this better? And he sort of stood there, Karen, and he goes, how's about we make the game so bad it's good? Because we can't make this seriously. At which point he gets even closer nose to nose and he says Jenkins you're a fucking genius let's do this um because with the premise and the story you've got there's three options depending on what you, you're playing with it can be super serious mediocre which I think we've all played some mediocre third person games or so bad it's good and it tries to take itself super seriously and that's where it falls yes <laughs> Well, it's like, like I said, it's, it is like looking at the, it's like looking at the logic of another dimension. Like the, after you, when you like load your game or I think even between like chapters, they do this like almost previously on montage where I think they even say previously on the investigation where it kind of wraps up some key details that are important to know that in case you forgot them in between playing, here's what you need to know in order to realize where you are and the kinds of information that this game thinks, oh, they're going to need to know this. <laughs> it's like the one thing that keeps coming up, I think 
maybe throughout the entire first act of this game is that um he says uh something's something's definitely going on here my coffee warned me about it yes there's there's a there's a name for it i didn't get it but he he takes the entire cue for his day from what he sees in his coffee that's an actual thing there's a quick time event about it there's a quick time event with it that you you get your coffee you swirl it and then it's like I think it's like you have to hit the A button and it's like the command is look or look closely. It's like, uh. look closely as opposed to just throw it in the waitress's and if, face. If Give you, me another fresh coffee. Yeah. If you missed it, you, you didn't look closely enough and you won't know what your day holds. But the other thing, like you do that every day. You also are expected to shave every day. <laughs> Like you, yep. you go to your bathroom or any bathroom, you can shave in some of these nightmare hellscapes. And it's just like you, you go, you click the button to shave, it blacks out for a second, and then it gives you seven bucks. <laughs> Which you can buy items and guns and ammo and stuff, but you'll find enough of that throughout your play of the game. So I found that what I was spending all my money on was uh, dry cleaning. Because the other thing that you can do is send your suits away to be dry cleaned. Why would you dry clean your suits? Because if you don't, they start to stink and flies start buzzing around you. Yep. I I always found it really weird that if you did that, you got covered in stuff and you sent it away. Some of the suits you got, oh, if you had the, the white suit with a red shirt, some sort of Hawaiian thing. Yeah. You know, a blue shirt, some with ties, some without. It was like a plaid you know, lounge get up. Yeah. Oh, God. And then if you, you send it away, it costs like a hundred bucks to get it dry cleaned. And then you don't get to use it for several actual hours. <laughs> I kept going back in and being like, oh, I, want, I should wear the, the red tie because I like the look of that. And it's like, oh, it's being cleaned. <laughs> what a pulse pounding adventure. <laughs> Seven hours to clean it. What did you do? <laughs> hey, we got a cue. Yeah. So... A friend of mine once told me that Tiddly Premonition, for all its faults, it, it said it's kind of like X-Files mm-hmm. meets a psychological horror from Japan, mm-hmm. but it's also filmed like a quirky buddy cop TV show from Japan, mm-hmm. that- where, one pers- where one person clearly needs medication he's not receiving, which is your main character. Yeah. Yeah, that and like, I mean, the thing that the thing that a lot of people forget about Twin Peaks as a show is that it also was immensely frustrating. Like, yeah, I was thinking about this as I was thinking about uh, talking about this, that um, at the, at the very end of the very first episode, Agent Special Agent Dale Cooper has a dream where the murdered girl, Laura Palmer, whispers something in his ear. He wakes up in his hotel room and he says, I know who killed Laura Palmer. The very next episode he says, she whispered the name of the person who killed her, and I don't remember it. <laughs> so then he spends a large swath of the fir- of the second episode saying the names of townspeople, throwing a rock at a jar of glass, and if the rock hits the jar, then that person is who he should be focusing on. That also is this game. The leaps in logic that this weirdo makes, and the like, it's... 
<laughs> it's that thing of when when a really good mystery gets to the end and you're like, of course, that explains everything. This is not that. This explains nothing. This came absolutely out of nowhere. It's a bit like, um, oh, what's the one? Hot Fuzz, the like... Yeah, where they totally solve it and explains everything. It's like, no, actually, it wasn't that. It's something way dumber. <laughs> yep. Yep. But I cannot stress how much the experience of playing this game is just inconvenient. <laughs> it's it's sort of, if you say to someone, you know, uh, first, if you say to someone, oh, I picked up a game on the Switch. Let's, let's go for nowadays. I picked up a game on the Switch and it's, uh, oh, what's it called? It's, um, it's it's a double pack. It's Deadly Premonition and it's, and it's predecessor, not the D4 one, the next one along. You know, it's one of them. First of all, if anyone's played it, all, all they're going to say is, I feel so sorry for you. There's 26 hours of your life you're not getting back. And then you'll get that knowing nod of... Mm, and there's more to yep. come. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's... it's You're going to... Yeah. I, I can't imagine your Twitter timeline of uh, how you're going to live tweet as you play it because it's just going to be hilarious. <laughs> But it's just that knowing look of, he's in for it. <laughs> yeah, you're going to do that. At the end, it, it's going to be, it's... Well, my overall verdict on on this game is going to surprise you. We'll get to that in the end. Yeah, yeah but it's, uh, I mean... It's the, I think the concept in, I think, gameplay and user experience is friction. And I've never played a game with more friction. The <clears throat> The amount of effort you have to put forth and just like tedium to like do mm. the most basic tasks of the gameplay loop like you are you have to find clues but then you'll find clues like the grass like in the end these three things do add up to some interesting thing that push, pushes the story forward but i as the player am not looking for this you're making me kind of just run around and spam x until something goes high <laughs> yep the the logic on some of those crime scenes this is the equivalent of the logic right in the crime scenes there are three things you could find that leads to a logical solution so the three things you can find is a coffee stain that happens to be on the roof so you don't know how it got there a wrench and a fly's wing and that leads to the logical conclusion i should look in the washing machine <laughs> what but I don't remember that being in the game, but that's the kind of logic on the crime scene. Well, you mentioned Silent Hill. There is very famously, I think, a um, you have a jar of pickles, but it is sealed because it's in a can. Uh, and you f you eventually find a can opener, and you use the can opener on the jar of pickles, and you slice it open, and you take the top off, and it's full of light bulbs. And so then you take out one of the light bulbs, and you can use it in a lamp. <laughs> yep, it I is that, that kind of thing. <laughs> It's border on moon logic, and, and like the, <laughs> it's all—it's a—it's almost inspiring that something that like that th old throwback to like point-and-click adventure game logic, where it's like, well, of course you have to use the plant on the poster. What's wrong with you got idiots? It. I've got it. I've got it. It was originally a point-and-click game, but they said we've got this engine just laying here. Oh man, the. I was out for a revelation. That's just blowing your mind, doesn't it? Well, because I'm, I'm skipping ahead a little bit here because you've got a question <laughs> here about is it a product of its time? It absolutely is a product of its time. I just have no idea what time it is a product of. <laughs> <laughs> because as you mentioned, it had a really long and, you know, tortured 
uh, development cycle. And I, like, I think it was originally concepted for the PS2, which is clear. They PS2 like, and 360, which makes no sense. Well, because they started on the PS2 and then the, it, and then a new generation happened and they were like, well, we're mm-hmm. still going to use all the design ethos from PlayStation 2. So don't worry about that. It's still going to look like crap and you're still going to run like a tank. And, uh, <laughs> we're still going to have a stamina bar. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't understand that one either. Although I found, I, I, I only just remembered, as you said it, I found it really weird. You got paid to shave every morning. Yes. That's insane. By the government, it was implied that it, every like day or two, at the end of every section, it would grade how well you did. And based on how good your sort of investigation score was, you would get your FBI paycheck. And your FBI paycheck was increased if you shaved and did laundry. I I mean, you know, you need escapism and you get a game where you shave and do laundry. And there's, you know. The, that game, I mean, the, the gameplay, the controls, the conversations, I won't even get into that, but just, just the, when when the world went here, here, here's some surreal. Let's just put red vines everywhere. Make sense with the tree and the drugs and stuff. You know, here's some red vines. Go shoot some stuff. Um, the the combat is so hit and miss. Yeah, quite literally. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's not a game. For, it's not a game for a person who isn't patient because you will retry things constantly. Yeah, and they won't um, be fun things. <laughs> no. The only thing I managed to do that I didn't fail on was shaving, and that was a button press. I- <laughs> like, well, and then all the there's a hunger meter, but as far as I could tell, it never came into play at all. Um, th- no. There's all these weird pans to like uh, hyper realism, where it's like you really you have to sleep and you have to eat and you have to shave, and it's like the <laughs> the thing about it's that thing of when the, when they were designing the game and building all of these systems they looked at kind of how life works and then went okay how can we best simulate that in a video game and at no point did anyone ask would it be fun to do that yeah is that going to enhance your entertainment product <laughs> hey yeah, so this is a game have you seen this new game you have to shave <laughs> Yeah, it's. Uh, have you seen this new game? It's meant to be like uh, a batshit crazy Silent Hill, but every day you've got to shave and do laundry before you do anything. So it's sign game, me up. So it's a game about shaving and doing laundry. Oh no, I have no idea what it's a game about. So, so what's the game about? I jury you're still asking out. the wrong I'm, man. I've only played it yeah. for twenty six hours. Yeah, I, I don't even think the makers of it know what the game's about. Well, you're probably not far off. It is. I've looked into other games by the director, as I mentioned, his name's Swery, or he goes by Swery, I think. That's at least what's signed on the director's cut. And he just makes weird stuff. Mm. And it's, but the other, the thing it plays like is, you know, the the old saw about uh, if you're writing a mystery, you do it backwards. You do it, and then you're like, sort of cover things up and then then you can watch it kind of gradually being uncovered they definitely wrote this one forwards they definitely mm. were like okay so you walk in and there's a uh, uh uh there's red vines all oh, red vines on the wall and then there's uh, um what else uh shadow guys and then you get to the end it's like 
hey, what happened with those shadow guys? It's like, oh, shoot, I forgot about those guys. <laughs> and all the stuff makes sense kind of in order. But if you were like, I can't imagine that they were like, here's what really happened. And this is this is the story that I want you to gradually unfold. I, I, I like to think of the actual story of it as a cocaine fever dream that Stephen King wrote that he doesn't remember. You, <laughs> oh, you mean Langoliers or Tommyknockers? <laughs> Sorry, that's a, that's an old Onion article. That's I actually don't even remember writing the Tommy Knockers. It does have the that that is another thing. Um, again, I'm staring at your questions here, like kind of getting ahead of myself that. One of the redeeming features of it is that thing is what I really like about a lot of the good Stephen King novels where there is like this supernatural evil that is out to get you. But then there's also the very mundane human evil that like you are here to investigate a murder and then you do actually kind of close the case for all intents and purposes with a few loose ends that you don't kind of recognize where you do shut down the dungeon sex cult underneath the bar and you do stop a killer who's just a guy. And it's like, well, that's exactly what I thought because I am a pragmatic and logical thinking FBI agent. And then the game goes, hang on, buddy. You ain't seen minute. nothing yet. We have to figure wait, out. Wait who, a second. We still have to figure <laughs> out who Zach is. Yeah. That's, oh, God. Um, There's one puzzle also that I t- my very favorite puzzle in this or maybe any game, it's a side quest that you have to do for the sheriff, who's a very tough man's man with a sort of handlebar mustache and great big guy muscles. And um, you talk to him at one point early in the game, and he says that he can't find Sylvester anywhere. He's looking for Sylvester. Uh, and Sylvester's friend Arnold really misses him. And could you help him find Sylvester? Because he can't start his workout without Sylvester. Uh, so then you go walking around and then you find a barbell and that barbell, well, that's Sylvester friend. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that one. It gives, and it gives you nothing, (laughs) not that he's looking for his weights, not that he's, it's like you have two friends and you are talking to everybody and being like, are you Sylvester? It's like, no, I'm the off-puttingly effete, uh, assistant deputy. Hmm. Oh, yeah, I remember. I don't that. think I used I, the word if it right. Well, I I I remember the first time you bump into the sheriff, which was very standoffish, and it just <laughs> he's standoffish with you, you're standoffish with him. I just thought, why is Danny Trejo in this game? <laughs> and second point, it's awesome that he's the sheriff. Uh <laughs> it's, it's a job he was born for. You grew that mustache yeah. and they were just like, Well, you're hired. Yeah, it's walking. No, you don't have to audition. You're in. Well, just just for your face alone, you're in. Get in. You know. Uh, oh, good lord. There's there's a lot. Right. So, cannot say I don't research and sacrifice for this show, and I will tell you why. In the main game, the guy who runs the town, who lives via a dam, lives in a, a, a in a in a house by the dam. He's in a wheelchair, he wears a mask. You find out later on there's a thing in the, on his throat so he can talk. He has, and I'm just waiting to see your face on this, he has an assistant who basically talks for him. 
Now, at a certain point in the game, you meet up in a diner. I know what you're about and, to talk about. Yep. And your character, who says everyone calls him York, please call me York, he's talking to him, and then his assistant goes, I'll have the usual. And York goes, what's your usual? It is a turkey, jam, and cereal sandwich. For science... No. Earlier on today... You didn't. Hang on. Earlier on today, I got some ready-to-eat turkey chunks. I had some jam in my fridge, some strawberry jam. And via the screenshot, it doesn't like cornflakes, so I got some Rice Krispies. Okay? I constructed said sandwich. And I thought, this is for the podcast. This is for the podcast. And I took a bite. Um... It was an interesting concoction of flavours, I'll say that, to say the least. Um, and I, the first thing that came into mind was never again. However, I was hungry. And I was taught, don't waste food, growing up. So I finished the sandwich, and indeed the second one I made, because I didn't want to waste the turkey, so I've actually eaten that sandwich, and I don't rate it. Uh... <laughs> Don't eat it if you don't have to. I still can't believe I ate it. <laughs> it that, that honestly, I think, also applies to this game. It is an interesting <laughs> concoction of flavors. And never again. But then, however, <laughs> I am hungry. And there is a sequel. <laughs> yeah, it's... um. Same friend of mine who said it's like a, a Japanese-produced X-Files. He, he said to me, and I quote, you don't get all of it in one playthrough. By the time you start again, you start again. You, you'll get more of the story. And I looked at him and I went, I'm not playing this more than once. <laughs> if I want a deep dive of the actual game, I'll look on YouTube, have someone else do it. Yeah. Because I just, I'm not going through that again. Uh, so yeah, that's that's my sacrifice for this show. I put myself through that. Um I don't think many other people could say that. <laughs> Thank you. So I don't know why you did it. No one asked you to, but I am proud of you. <laughs> That's good to know. Um, okay, so let's go on to the next question. That doesn't involve sandwiches, um, hopefully. Um, so given that the game's batshit, because it is, and it's off the wall and it's just out there, what are some of the redeeming features of this game, if any? Oh, there are plenty of redeeming features. The characters are truly unforgettable, but also, like, I think the world itself has a very satisfyingly cohesive internal logic. Like, mm. there are a bunch of people, and I don't think I even met them all. And they're all, like, very immediately sort of graspable of, if not what's what their whole deal is, then at least what it's going to be like talking to them. Which is to say yeah. that they're American caricatures. Mm. There's like the old veteran. There's the uh, diner owner. There's the old elderly uh, matronly nurse. I think. Uh, yeah, and then there's the guy in the 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 wealthy guy who owns the town and lives in a wheelchair and has a mask on his damn face. Who? Mm. Spoiler alert! I don't think has anything to do with the main plot of the game. <laughs> um. So I'm I'm not even going to do spoiler alert. It's a, it's a ten year old game at this point, or a ten year old game. You've had your chance, he and is, you shouldn't play it. Yeah, 
Essentially, yeah. He is the son of the guy who went nuts and is in the red trench coat with the axe. It's his son. Oh, I somehow missed that. <laughs> who, in the flashback, actually gets attacked by his own dad. Ooh. That's how he was put in a wheelchair. Ooh. And his dad either went nuts, killed himself, or went missing. So the, the the whole point of you going into the spirit realm, or whatever it is, I'll just say spirit realm, is that axe-wielding maniac chases you, but he's the spirit. It's not the actual person, because it's a spirit realm, so it's his ghost that's trying to kill you. Okay. Because reasons. Yeah, you which know? are not plot. addressed in the game. <laughs> Yeah, just plot. There's also a dreamscape where you're in, it's the fall and everyone, there's a TV in the woods. Also, we haven't even talked about the pause menu. Oh, good lord. But we're talking about redeeming features here. <laughs> but no, the, even though it seems to be uh, written forwards, even though the, the ending is out of nowhere, the, mm. um, the actual story beats themselves are, I think really affecting because these characters are so I think well drawn if like poorly articulated they're all mm. poorly articulated in the same way which makes it feel like it's not a bad writer it makes it feel like they are repressed and damaged people the yeah. the bit with the how and why the sex dungeon came to be and came to be dissolved the like insane literally insane devotion that that one deputy had for the sheriff mm. he was in love with uh even the like very hackneyed i think flashback of wait the reason i've seen a tree growing out of a woman before was because it happened to my mother when i was a child and dissociated and created the alternate personality of york mm -hmm. it was it made me very sad it was very well executed like yeah the i think there's a maya angelou quote about how people will forget what you say they will forget what you do but they will never forget how you made them feel that's yeah. this game the actual yeah. doing of it the actual talking of it the actual moving through of it is just it's cartoonish it like it's it's hilariously bad but i don't remember that i remember feeling too scared to leave it in my playstation when i went to bed i remember mm. <laughs> feeling extremely like i remember feeling sad and worried about the female deputy i remember feeling like mm you get the sense that the people who live in this place actually live in this place and it's a real place and it's hard for them. And I want yeah. things, I wish things were better for them. So it's really good at doing that. Mm. It's, uh, it's definitely so it's, it's, it's got that small town vibe of like, for example, there's plenty of movies that start off like this. Oh, this used to be uh, a lumber town. Yeah. And then that that stops, so we built a casino instead, you know, mm -hmm. just as an example. Yeah. And everyone works at the casino, so all the young women are either waitresses or strippers or whatever the hell it is. I will say this about the game. I never thought I'd put this as a plus, but the whole plot behind the, again, hell with spoilers, the sheriff is a killer. Yep. He's the killer, so he can sort of derail the investigation as you're playing. But you don't realize until... You don't know that's what he's doing. No, you don't know that's what he's doing. Um, then you've got the sex dungeon. I never thought I'd say this, but 
the fact that the sex dungeon was only there because of two reasons. One, the sheriff asked Alyssa out when she was 16 and she denied it. Yep. So that's questionable. And the, then the murder because, girl. yeah. So because he was rejected and he, because he's a big strong guy and you found out that he was, he was abused as a child. He was constantly beaten. So he needed to be strong to protect himself. So that's why he does the weights, Arnold and Sylvester, all the rest of it. He's got his submissive boy toy of the the sheriff's deputy which i think is francis and then he creates this cult this sex dungeon cult underneath the bar for the pure reason of not only getting his rocks off but he can use the seeds as a drug when it's crushed up he can sell it as drugs and use it to get people whacked off the reds and then he needs to sacrifice women <laughs> string them up in a forest and before that happens the demon guy, who I can't remember his name, he can only grow the red tree inside of the womb of women. And there's also... And only when they're alive. And only when they're alive. And then when you find the women, if they're not already dead, they're strung up in such a way that it's kind of like a saw trap. So, dangling, like the the, the third victim, the, the, the one that's a very promiscuous... Um, rich woman who does what she likes um she's dang she's dangling above a a statue that could impale her the second person that you find in her house she's strung up in a bathroom and if you cut the wire which there's a miscommunication someone cuts the wire she's like ripped apart Ugh. you know it's it's sort of like this is weird and i can't believe this is happening but because the way it works and the whole story behind it is kind of believable. Yeah. If that makes sense in a batshit crazy kind of way. <laughs> yeah. And, and, well, th- and they make the, re- the reveal of the sheriff, what, like, definitely took me by surprise. I think partly because the game didn't give me any hints, but also partly because I don't think the game thought it had to. That's like, no. Well, this character would hide his true nature, obviously, and he'd be really mm. good at it. So you wouldn't see this coming. But then once he like, once he breaks character and does his whole, like he, he, he can has a transformation sequence for his boss fight and he tells Oh, he goes you, super saiyan. Yeah. Yes. Oh, the, and <laughs> he, he even has the hair. Saiyan. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he like tells you why he did everything he did. And it's, it's, mm. it's that chilling killer logic of where it's like, I can see the logical path that you are laying out for me is all internally Mm -hmm. consistent and clearly makes sense and is important to you in the way things are that are important to me are important to me. It's just that all of your stuff is insane, but it's all insane in the same way. And it's, it's this chilling uh, fact of like, if I believed that stuff, I could see myself doing this, which is terrifying. Like, yeah, it's to, it's, to notice it's got logic behind something. it. Yeah, there's logic behind it in a weird way, and then to find out that he's not the final boss. Yes, I I I have committed to memory the the name of the tree seller guy. His name is Forrest Kaysen because it struck me because that is not a name, <laughs> and also. He's he's the weirdest guy in a town full of weird people. Very giggly yeah. and strange and appears to have nothing to do with the story until, by the way, sorry, I have everything to do with it because I'm the dancing god of evil. Yes, and I, I promote these trees that only I can get to sprout. And once they sprouted, they'll never die. 
what? And it's one of those you get towards the end and you get bait. You, you, it's like they bait you into the, um, into, is it the town hall? The theatre. It baits you into the theatre oh, or the, the clock the- tower the wherever. theatre. And, and it's, as he explains it, and he said, you know, the, the whole, I'm going to monologue everything, it, it starts to make sense. And then you get them flashbacks of him during the war and doing his experiments and stuff. And you're thinking, you're 100% a megalomaniac, but you've only just revealed it now. But beforehand, it's just a guy you bump into and he just happens to be in the right place at the wrong time yep. or vice versa. And it's sort of like, well, I didn't know. Sorry, oh, um, I, I'm, I've, and, I've just. I've but he's just always got, he's always got that sapling with him, and if that's not foreshadowing, I don't know what is. Yeah, but let's just ram it down your throat. It's him, clearly, it's him. <laughs> but it gives you all these like it's not even actually red herrings where it's like one of the a very early clue that, on, that you get is the picture of a man in a vest with a a scar of an upside down peace symbol. It's like mm. a straight line with two diagonal lines coming off from the center. And the whole time, it is identified as an upside-down peace symbol. Uh, what you don't realize until the end is that it is not an upside-down peace symbol. It is a red tree. Mm. That the circle around it is only incidental. And it is that that is the kind of paradigm shift that actually makes sense, uh, to borrow a mm. term from M. Night Shyamalan, that that kind of stuff actually makes sense and is well really well executed the it is just it's such an odd road to get to (laughs) but we're still talking about redeeming features and the the extremely eccentric way that the guy the man in the wheelchair and his assistant his assistant especially has a very clipped way of talking and a very formal Mm. and he always addresses you as special agent francis york morgan he's the one who refuses to call you york yeah and then, and then, I mean, like, it is that same thing. It is a v- visceral thing where it is, I think it's executed very poorly, but at s- seeing the, the seeds that can only grow in the womb of a woman are now growing out of the sheriff's deputy, Emily, who you've come to rely on and care about, triggers this repressed memory that Francis York Morgan has of the moment that very thing happened to his mother and his father failed or refused to mercy kill her resulting in her having a horrifyingly uh, painful death and growing this red tree out of herself at which point the father kills himself and young francis zach morgan creates for himself an alternate personality named york who will be this brilliant fbi agent and then Mm. i think in the end york goes away or is integrated back into the personality and now you are Francis Zach Morgan, who has white hair. Mm, it's the 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 kid you see at the beginning has got white hair. He sees his parents both killed. Yeah, and this big guy who's the the red the the, the forest guy, right, with the red tree thing. He, f- from what I remember, he knocks out the kid, and the next thing you know, you're an FBI agent. He splinters his personality so that Zach is the guy he talks to. Zach is also the guy he relies on for it. I think the line is, this is going to need some violence. Zach, I'll leave it to you. Uh, which is why I thought he was talking to me. I'm going to put yeah. you in control for a while and then I'm in control. Yeah. And then Zach is also the guy that uses the paranormal abilities to put two and two together or to, as he's talking to someone, he can 
I, I don't know what it was, a fracture into the mind to see their real personality. It's it's all a bit Phoenix Wright to me, you know, with the chins. Yep, yep. You know. Yep. Um, Did you see that, And then Zach? at the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom and Jerry. Jerry's always the mouse that... What is this? Anyway, but the, all the way through the game, what happens is when, when each of the women die during the investigation, you get like a flash forward, flashback spirit realm in this forest area and they're always wearing a red dress and by the end of it all the people who died have got a red dress and then you've got york there because zach doesn't need him anymore exactly. so it's weird when you get to the the ending battle and you've got white hair you've got this big bandage around your head you finish it and then it gets to the end of the game it's like hi i'm zach and then you see york your other personality with them yeah he says you don't need me anymore and they wander off it's it's all very the the odd nonsensical ending of the lord of the rings trilogy which also didn't make any damn sense but also made me cry like a baby mm. <laughs> like the 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 same person who told me that it makes more sense if you go play it a second time he watched his friend play it so he saw it all and he said it's probably best if you watch someone else play it. And then he said it makes more sense because he mentioned uh, the very first dreamscape you get where you see the twins yep. in the forest. And he said if you look around you see the little the little um, toy of the fat dude uh. on a table on the map as in where he's planted trees. And he said if you wander around you see it and if you know it you see it. And I, I said see previous statement. I'm not, I'm not playing, playing it twice. <laughs> no. You couldn't pay me to play this twice. <laughs> the map, by the way, it is now time to talk about the pause screen. <laughs> cool. The infinite hallway has been closed. It took a year for an unlikely trio to manage to seal dozens of holes in the fabric of reality. But I can see the threads of fate. I know there is more in store for them in this world, and in another. I see Kira Ashwood, the journalist who still bears the scars from her cult days, rising in great and terrible power. I see the supernatural social outcast, Mark Clayton, his abilities expanding and evolving, growing without limit, without explanation. I see the one they've yet to meet, a sorceress from between worlds, yet drawn to power and burdened by legacy. I see the extra-normal investigator Casey Davis, but for the moment, I am one of the few who does. I can see what's next, I can see it all unfolding, each chosen path. How does it end? <laughs> Even I don't know for sure. Join us on The Monster's Playbook. The Monster's Playbook is an actual play Monster of the Week podcast with new episodes released every other Tuesday. Come check us out on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. You know, in a normal game, you press pause and like a menu comes up and you can select different things. Mm. You press pause in this, you are transported into a living room. And there's like <laughs> everything you go to, you can, you want to check the case files. They're over here on the table. Do you want to uh, look at the map? The map is up on the wall. 
And like when you are trying to get somewhere in a large and difficult to navigate town without a lot of landmarks, you're going to be looking at that map a lot, which means you're going to hear the terrifyingly loud guitar sting a lot. <laughs> it's it's so like it's it is that kind of bad that is like inspiring because it is not bad because they did a poor job. And I want I need to be clear about that. It is bad because they went for something that I don't know why they were going for and they knocked it out of the park. <laughs> like yeah. like they really wanted I think they really wanted all of that friction. I think they really wanted all of these spots where you have to like but I want to go over there and the game is saying no no no. Mm. Over there is supernatural insane adventure stuff. You are in the real world. You have to deal with all of the trappings of normalcy. You have to eat and shave and wash your clothes. And that, when juxtaposed with an immortal tree salesman who enabled the transforming sheriff to start a sex cult so that he could simulate dating the girl that he wanted to date over and over again for almost 30 years, then that looks even crazier. <laughs> So my new favorite description of that game, I'm going to transpose that and write it down. That should be the description of the game. What you just said, <laughs> the hell with the one I found. That is the description. I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can change it. Perfect. We have to try. <laughs> we'll start our own game facts and the frequently asked yeah, questions will be stuff like what the heck is even going on here? And the answer will just be, I don't know, man. <laughs> just logic plot. Yeah. It's the the, the 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 last sort of redeeming thing I can think of before we move on is in the weirdest way possible. The mix of the, like you said, the mundane and the supernatural, it's sort of, it, it, it eggs you on to, to keep going and to, to think how, how is this going to get any crazier? And then when you get from chapter to chapter, because there's like 13 or 14 chapters in total, there's a lot of chapters. The further you get into it, you get this weirdest sense, you get the weirdest sense of achievement. Well, I figured that out. That was clearly batshit crazy, but I did it. I figured it out. And then I wonder what's going to happen next. Yeah. <laughs> and then the side missions and you go for a drink with a sheriff and you think, oh, he's not the bad guy when he clearly is. Yeah. You know, you, you have all these little side bits like the the guy trying to sell, steal the seeds and sell them so he can give the life that his very rich girlfriend wants, but then he gets caught and he's a mechanic and he wears a cowboy hat and what is it with cowboy hats? You know, it's just oh it it is it is the the most surreal, rewarding clearly waste of time game I've ever played in my life. Yeah. I can I can see I'm also not going to do it, but I can definitely see uh, starting the game over and playing through it again, knowing then what we know now, because like this game, games like games and stories like this are basically built to gradually reveal to you the true nature of their world. Mm. And they all kind of start off exactly the same. And then they they through the course of the telling of them become themselves and so at the end of it, knowing not just what happens and what everything means, but knowing what this world feels like to then with that feeling, start the mm -hmm. game. 
I could see that being very interesting. I'm not going to do it, but I could see <laughs> that being very rewarding. Sort of like watching it like nine seasons of a show and then going back and watching the pilot. Like to see how far you've come and like what's become of you. And then look back and be like, wow, I didn't know anything when I started this. Yeah, but also to the fact that I have to really dig this show to watch all nine seasons again. And you, there's that little thing in the back of your mind going, I'm going to do it one day. And you never do. No, no. Sorry, The Wire. Yeah, you, you look at a picture of like the box of the first season or you look at like season one and The Wire and you go, all that comes flooding back is not exactly the story that happened but the feelings associated with it and you sort of go hey uh, i no i can't go through that roller coaster again it's especially not all in one go can you imagine if you did that all in one go oh no i would i would physically die yeah (laughs) yeah okay um not that okay so next question not that i can't see many of these because i've even looked myself and i can't really see them i when I played it, I couldn't find any sort of exploits. And nope. the only sort of cheesing tactics I found was backing up while you're shooting so they get nowhere near you. Um, well, that's just good tactics. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that um, definitely headshots. Get as many headshots as you can because you also get like five bucks if you make a headshot. <laughs> You get paid. In the spirit world, I might add. Not yeah, in the real world. In the spirit world. You shoot a ghost in the head and the FBI is like, hey, nicely done. <laughs> I, I'm trying. There isn't really, is there? What's that? There's no real sort of like tactics you can exploit or anything apart from just keeping out of arm's reach and shooting them between the eyes. Well, and, and for, for a game like this, I think, the, I think the only thing that I did, and I may have done this, I, I like to think that I didn't, but is just look up what to do because Mm. I do consider that to be technically cheating because then you're not getting through the game yourself, but I also do it all of the time. So Mm. if I did, that's what I did. Um, I'm, I don't like, I I only learned about the term cheese uh, when playing Sekiro, another from soft game. I had never, heard of it before nor known that those kinds of things were possible because that's not the kind of gamer i am and it's usually not mm. the kinds of games i play but the ex- the only exploits i would have done for this would have been strategy guides to figure out what to do next because the game is monstrously bad at communicating what i'm supposed to do now i i, sh- I should rephrase the game feels no responsibility to communicate to me what i'm supposed to do next <laughs> <laughs> so what am i doing the game's like mm, you're on your own i don't know you're the I'm special agent <laughs> I'm not telling you what to do because I'm not telling you what to do. You had a shave this morning. You had a beard. I'd tell you. I already told you what to do. You did your laundry. You shaved. Great job. Here's your 15 bucks. Next day. (laughs) Go to work, man. (laughs) Did that. You you had a disgusting sandwich and then the day rolled on. (laughs) So I know we've mentioned this before, um, but I'll ask again because there's a surprising amount of narrative to this podcast. Indeed. Because why not? Um... Even though you've already said, I'll ask you again. Do you think this game was a game changer? No. It, was the, it was the one after this, but go on. No. Do you think it was a game changer? No. No, I do not. Uh, <laughs> the, the thing about it, it's this kind of game that is 
in in whole, it is like nothing else. But <laughs> it is also like a lot of other things. Like mm. it does a bad version of the kind of crime scene investigation that you do in like condemned criminal origins. It does a bad version of the kind of driving from place to place that you do in Grand Theft Auto. It does a mm. bad version of the kind of third person shooting you do in like a Gears of War, but on slow motion and wearing dress shoes. Like <laughs> I'm just getting the characters of Gears of War now in the massive armor and dress shoes. Imagine them in uh whatever the name of the town here is. Uh oh, Greenville. Greenville. Marcus and Phoenix turn up and built like a brick shit house in all their armor with their uh, lancer guns. You know what they'd say? You're the sheriff now. Uh, <laughs> What's this kind of trick? Why do I look like a fucking botanist? You know. Good thing just, I have a chainsaw on yeah. my gun. Yeah, so, it's just a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I do not think it was a game changer. I do think I think my theory for the 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 deal with the Silent Hill uh, comparisons was actually that they made this whole weird, insane. Uh, murder mystery and then someone was like wait silent hill was really popular we should do something like that and what the what the post-its were on the board was all the different scenes of the game and what the darts were was all the times you would go into the shadow world it's like uh okay we'll do it when we're at the hospital okay we'll do it when we uh crash they just we gotta we gotta go in there sometime designed by a dartboard yeah I can think of a couple of games that have probably done that. Um, I think for one aspect, it is a game changer. And I don't mean this to sound bad, although it's going to sound bad. It's when you've got a game that I don't want to say a cult classic, because it has to be like lightning in the bottle for a cult classic. Sure. But if you want to make a game that's so bad that it's good, you've got to hit deadly premonition level at least. Yeah. It's it's not on the up. It's not on like the the good scale. It's on the so bad it's good scale, which is the one next to it. Yeah. And you've got to hit certain points to get to that. Yeah. And it 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 set that bar. You know, it's been so bad that it's good. It it has set that. Bar. It's gone way past Busby 3D on the PS1. You know, it's left that in the dust. Yeah. It's it's deadly premonition, and it's got to hit that bar. So it's it. That's for me. That's why it's a game changer because it set that. Yeah. And anyone who wants to be not mediocre can't have a serious game. Don't want it to fall into mediocrity. Let's make it so bad that it's good. Is it deadly premonition? No. Then it's not so bad that it's good. Right. Simple. Well, because it, it is. I think it's. Um, I can't think of another game since that has sort of nailed that kind of. Um, wealth of quality and simultaneous dearth of quality that like because it feels like a, a game of the size that that game was the scale of it now is so different that you are going to have so many people in there mm. who like who will start to ask questions like do we really think it's fun that you have to shave every day and like <laughs> and we'll say no to stuff and we'll refuse a mad visionary like Swery from realizing his stupid, stupid dreams that like this kind of, and when you do have an auteur game like that now, it is 
I don't know. It just, it feels, it feels like I have, it feels like the era where a game like this can happen is closing or has closed that in the, in the game changer of yes, this is because like there, there was stuff like this on the PlayStation one. There was definitely stuff like this in PC, like point and click Mm -hmm. adventures we mentioned before that, like that what you are seeing is an extremely pure expression of one dude's fever dream. He got really drunk, smoked something that was not strictly pot (laughs) and then woke up at 3 a.m. and pissed out a design document and never strayed from it. Like just stuck to his guns. That's it. We're going down this line. No, I'm, I'm I'm hand drawing. I'm handwriting a a copy for all of you. If I use, if I use the Xerox machine, it'll steal my soul. Yeah. There's, there's only two games that I can think are close to this. Mm -hmm. One of them predates it. And one of them is after it. The one that predates it is if you've ever played silent Hill origins on the PSP. I have. That's, that's, the story of that's a bit batshit. Yeah. And ultimately pointless by the end of it. Yeah. But it's, st- it's still got that batshit quality to it. And, you know, don't don't use a flashlight for three hours or you just turn the brightness up. <laughs> right? <laughs> to get one of those little achievements at the end, just turn the brightness up, you're fine. And then the one that I can think that came out after this isn't a third-person shooter game, but I'm talking like the story of it being like self-aware and it's an actual, it's a, it's it's like a mystery, but there's comedic points and there's a little bit of moon logic. Is if you've ever played Tumbleweed Park, I have not. It's it's kind of it's set up as a point-and-click adventure. There's different characters you can play, but it it pokes fun at Sierra Online games from back in the day. Oh wow. So it's it's very sort of it, it it takes the piss out of a lot of things. It's like one one of the characters I can't remember her name. She's 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 got glasses and ginger hair, and she's she's looking around an apartment. You've got like pull this, push that, and whatever. You take items, and she opens a fridge, and she said, "Oh, there's you, you click on it, the description, um, smashed ketchup bottle, and you go pick up." And it said, "If this was a Sierra Online game, I'd bleed to death, and the game would be over." <laughs> Which happened in one of the King's Quest games. You pick up a shard of glass, you bleed to death and fall over in seconds. Game over. Yeah. Don't pick up that so, glass. Yeah. If Deadly Premonition was a point and click game, it'd be something akin to Tumbleweed Park. Yeah. But it'd just be very sort of aware of what it is. I still think it would work as a point and click game. I would have vastly preferred to play this as a point and click game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, why not? I'm going to recoil because I know you're going to jump in straight away. Is this game a product of its time? <laughs> this this game, I, fi- I think this game is absolutely a product of its time. The trouble is I just don't know what time it is a product of. <clears throat> because 2010, 2004, yeah, when it first started, but it's, you're not quite sure. It's somehow a weird, perfect encapsulation of like a bunch of different snapshots in there. Because it's like... Mm. Everyone, the, the the style of third person is somewhere between Resident Evil 2 and GTA 3. Mm. Like, the way it kind of works, it it's just, 
it's so clunky in a way that unfortunately for them by the time it came out it was outdated like but it's got such a ps2 philosophy and Mm -hmm. ps2 was again this like sort of bygone era of you know rich huge massive companies throwing a bunch of money at a a small design group and then not checking in with them for a year and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Like we're going to give you enough budget to make, to get this thing done and make it competent and make it right. We don't care what you do because video games, I'm not going to look at it. I'm a grown man. Yeah. (laughs) There's, there's so many titles, not on the, I think when it came to it, when you had like games going on the Xbox, they had a bit of tighter control because mm-hmm. uh, there wasn't that many batshit crazy games on the Xbox. But the PS2 is like Wild West. Absolutely, Good Lord. it was nuts. M- Mr. Mosquito, <laughs> ten out of ten. Destructoid gives it ten out of ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fantastic. Are you sure? <laughs> fantastic. Was, was you on the same stuff the scriptwriter was on? Fantastic at uh, what? <laughs> that's yeah i I think it's just they had to put something down yeah and yeah it was more of a case fantastic why because it's so bad it's good you know so yeah i think it's i think it's absolutely a product of its time i think it it is a product of multiple times (laughs) like you don't know which one if they could have made 3d movie 3d video games at this scale in the 1980s they would have made this game Uh, but the other the thing i can't remember what we were talking about but there there is a thing that it reminds me of this kind of so bad it's good ethos what that like reminds me of most is some of the lesser later hellraiser movies oh where they are just like we're going down that plot all the way (laughs) The, the Hellraiser movies, this is something I will read the Wikipedia plot summary of these movies about every eight months because every once in a while I just go, that can't be what happened. And then I look it up and I'm like, no, yeah, he just he just became a blood guy. <laughs> well, the Hellraiser movies, there's a couple of things because I'm, I'm a bit of a horror fan and I, I, I look up like weird and wacky stuff about things. The Hellraiser movies only get released when the license is going to lapse. Mm hmm. And it is quick as possible. What's the quickest we can do on the smallest budget? Mm-hmm. I will say one thing. The first four to five Hellraiser movies was the only ones that had the main guy you played pinhead in. The rest of them has been horrible imitations. Imitators. Other guys, right. Um, without the Hellraiser movies, we wouldn't have Henry Cavill. How do you figure? He, he was in the movie where they made it into a video game. Oh my lord. I think it was the fifth one. That was his first film. If it wasn't for Hellraiser, we wouldn't have Henry Cavill as Superman. We wouldn't have him as Geralt in, in The Witcher. We wouldn't have him in all the other the roles. He's been. He wouldn't have been in a, um, a Mission Impossible film. Yeah. So if it wasn't for Hellraiser, we wouldn't have Henry Cavill. I knew that one. We wouldn't have had men from Uncle. Well, that we, I know, right? I, I mean, I know we, we wouldn't have had um, Kentaro Murillo as Berserk. We wouldn't have had mm. Dark Souls as we know it. Yeah. Um, but like, just another quick fact about Henry Cavill, just really quickly. Hit me. He, he nearly missed a casting call for, um, I think it was Superman. Uh huh. Because Henry Cavill is a gigantic nerd. 
right? Uh-huh. He's a massive nerd. He's read the original Witcher books. So when he did the, the Witcher TV series, he wanted to actually be as close to Geralt as possible, to which the author was like, I love this guy. Yeah. When he had the casting call for Superman, he nearly missed it because he was raiding in World of Warcraft. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that a great deal. He nearly missed being Superman because he was being a nerd. Well, I've got to talk about The Witcher for two seconds because uh, I've been reading, I've been having the books read to me on Audible. I think I'm a, I read, I read the hell out of all of the the short stories when I first started playing the games Mm. uh, and they're, they're incredible. They all start too late and end too early. It's perfect. And (laughs) um, then I started reading the novels and I was like, this is hard for me to pay attention to. So I got him, I get him on audible and I just listen to him. Um, mm. and the guy who reads it does voices for everybody and gives them all accents, like specific mm. British dialect accents. Yeah. And the one he gives to Geralt makes me so mad that it's not the voice they use in the video games. And it's not the voice Henry Cavill, Cavill uses. Like he does like, Oh, he's not a cockney. Is he? He's like, he's not a cockney. He's, he's a bit like (laughs) your accent. Honestly, he's like, um, I don't know. I think Northern. And he's just, he's just down here. It's not like that. Sorry. Like is. Okay. Okay. So first of all, I'm not Northern. (laughs) Where, Where is your accent from? Um, I live in a port town. Sort of like in the middle. Okay. Of if you look at England, like the English, like the UK, right? Sure. From the tip of Scotland to the bottom of like London, if you look at it, if you look along the coast, and then there's a small crack coming in. Sure. To the side, I live. My my town is there. Okay. It's on there. It's I'm not going to say where, but Fair. it's there, and I don't have the accent of my town because of. Uh, my mother was in the army and she was born in a different city and so was my father and they, they were very if I tried to have an accent they would force me to speak properly um, so if I had the accent of my town it'd be very sort of it'd be two octaves lower and I wouldn't pronounce certain words properly Sure. Um, and obviously with with doing podcasts and I've learned that I've got to speak to a degree where people can understand me <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's just something that stuck. I, I do say that there is slang and what have you that I do say, but not when I not do this kind of thing. Yeah, so it's, it's I I I get confused. I've had people tell me you must have grown up in the posh part of London. Okay. No. And people tell my brother Jay, who was also on this podcast, if you ever heard him, they get him confused with Americans. Hmm. Because with him you don't have to say, I'm sorry, could you say that again? He's very well spoken and he can be quite loud. Yes. Um, but to a point where you don't have to ask him, say again, you know. Um, but yeah, I I know what you mean about accent accents in audiobooks. I listen to, um, I used to listen to, in my old job, I used to walk to work and back and it took me a good 40 minutes there and back. So I used to listen to audiobooks. Mm-hmm. And um, I used to listen to Terry Pratchett audiobooks. Sure. Read by um, Stephen Briggs because Nigel Planner just can't do it. And the Stephen Briggs characters, whenever I read the books, I hear his voice in my head. Yeah, because it's so well done. Yeah. But Nigel Planner, I just can't. It's just so wrong. I can't do it. Yeah. And the thing is, Stephen Briggs hasn't done all the books. Oh no! <laughs> so I've, I've got a section of all the Terry Pratchett books that I can listen to, but then I'll have to read. 
and then I hear the voices that Stephen Briggs does, and I have to make my own up as I'm reading it. It's like, this ain't right. This is a new character. Stephen hasn't done this one yet. Ah! You know. Um, but yeah, I, I can I can definitely get that when 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 someone get the gets the accent wrong. Oh yeah. Well, I, it's so the North is my is sort of my go to reference because of the episode of the Christopher Eccleston Doctor Who, where she goes, "If you are an alien, how come you sound like you're from the North?" And he goes, "Lots of planets have a North." <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh, and I'm a complete nerd because I can tell you what episode that is, but I'm not going to. Um, Always carry. I'm not a big Doctor Who fan, but I watched a lot of the original remake. But not as you know the, the latest series. Oh, the RTD. I'm, I'm with you, buddy. Yeah, but I'm, yeah. I'm not going to go into that. I'll be here all day. Yeah, I, um, I am. I'm, I'm a bit a bit of a nerd for uh, for accents. I try to do them in my own podcast for for uh, to mixed results. I I can't do any accents. Mm. The only the only exception to that is if I play a lot of uh, Borderlands a pre sequel. Because what happens is for the next four days after that I speak like like an Australian. The problem is it really gets on people's nerves because it it flips between sounding actually Australian and a weird hybrid between that and uh, New Zealand, and it just gets on everyone's nerves. And then you just so like, I just stop it. It's like a cartoon. Um, do you remember the? There was a cartoon that did go around with a, a Kiwi-accented whale that had gotten beached and a similarly New Zealand uh, uh, pelican. And the whale's just like, oh, oh, no, I'm so beached. Oh, bro, I'm heaps beached, bro. <laughs> now, to me, that would be, is that New Zealand or Samoan? Because it's a weird mix, that one. <laughs> You just did. I I tend not to do accents because I try and fail and then say I've got to take this accent back to the shop. <laughs> I've got the wrong one. Um, I'm going to start using that. That's that's an Eddie Izzard joke. He he, he tries a, an accent in one of his lives and he goes, I've got to take this one back to the shop. It's not working. Um, right. Okay. So the the most fun part that I have now I will say one section of this cupboard hasn't been filled at all, mm. which I'm really surprised at, but. Um, I'll set the scene for you. We're going to go over to my cupboard of shame, which in a previous episode has been someone rumbled me to find out that the cupboard of shame is indeed made out of Cyberpunk 2077 before the 1.5 patch. If you've played it before the 1.5 patch, you'll completely understand. I have. So it's got, th- so you get it. Right? So there's, th- there's three sections when we open this cupboard made out of a game. It's quite poetic, right? Now, in the left-hand section... There is a blue-green portal on the side of it that's glowing. Imagine the portal that Rick and that Rick uses with this portal gun, but it's not copyrighted to Rick and Morty. So it's it's a green and blue portal that's slightly not not as well drawn as that. A fair right. use portal. The whole, yeah, fair use portal. There we go. I'm going to use that from now on. Thank you. Um, and I will say you you gave him the idea for it. I write for so a the fair use portal, which is on the side, is where you drop kick the game to fly through, and he gets obliterated from existence. The only difference is, the only person who can remember playing it is you. So you have the memories of playing it, so when you say Deadly Premonition, say if you did, and you went, oh, I played Deadly Premonition, they go, what? You have the the unbridled joy of going, at least you never played that. Okay. Aren't you bloody lucky, right? So that's the left-hand side 
and that's you just see this glow you can't see anything else that's that section of the cyberpunk 2077 cover this year in the middle it's a little dusty there's no fancy markings right the sides are a bit scraped they're a bit scuffed you can see like the inner workings of the back of the cupboard it's nothing fancy that's the place where you chuck the game and it just collects dust it's not deleted from existence, but you don't have to worry about it anymore. You throw it in there with the express idea of, I'm not going to bother with it no more. Just throw it in, gone. On the right-hand side, it's a little different. You don't see any of the inner workings. It's lined with red, bluish velvet. Right? There's a couple of shelves. There's a couple of pillows to place games. Right, it's it looks very nice. I don't like velvet, but I'll put velvet in there anyway. Right, a little bit of luxury. It's where you put games where they're guilty pleasures. You might open the cupboard, come back, play it every so often, then put it back. Right, so it's a guilty pleasure. And I will say this: there is a copy of what is it? Oh, what did we do the other day? There is a copy of Kane and Lynch Two buried underneath a big box version of the original Skyrim in there that you're not supposed to know that's there i just thought i might mention that for your reaction which was glorious yes um so those are the three sections of the cupboard this year i had someone try to create a, a fourth section which is a draw underneath which is a portal to dante's seventh level of hell but i wouldn't allow it um because three sections is enough and i don't want to i don't want to get it too complicated. we don't want to punish these games no people worked hard just the, and i mean why just just i, I don't know why they the worked hard made but they them. did yeah, it's just the people who made them. Or um, published them, but that's a whole different story entirely. Uh, but we won't get into that one. So, out of the three sections of the cupboard that you've had, which section are you booting Deadly Premonition into? With a bullet, I'm putting it in the middle section. The place where I will put the game, it will collect dust, it won't be forgotten, but... I don't have to be afraid of it anymore. <laughs> You're not going to take over your TV and spawn a demon. Yeah, I might I might put it into a Raiders of the Lost Ark box first. Just, you know, an abundance of caution. I don't know what's going on in this game. But um, it is it is the kind of game that is definitely, clearly, more interesting to talk about than it is to play. And more interesting to know about <laughs> what's going on. I'm going to have to put a warning sign in the cover of shame now. What's that? Please, if you open the box that Deadly Premonition <laughs> is contained in, it will melt your face. <laughs> now I'm going to have to put a warning sign in a cupboard that's right next to a section where things get deleted permanently if you chuck it through. <laughs> um, there, is a, there is a small uh, wooden crate that is labeled Deadly Premonition. Do not open. <laughs> It's not a crate, it's a glass case, and it's this it's the similar glass case to what Annabelle the doll is stored into. Yeah. You know, every day I'm gonna have to get a priest to come in to flick holy water at it and say prayers. So I've I've never had the cupboard actually cost me anything before, so now I'm gonna have to hire a priest. So thanks for that. Well, hey, um, don't blame me, blame Sweary and I think Capcom. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, like I love thinking about the game, I love talking about the game. I I do like to I can't, I, the, the, the one in the middle I don't remember, but I have a thing where every once in a while I'll go back and replay Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess because it is the mm. third weirdest game I've ever played. 
Yeah. Uh, the first is this one. I don't remember the second one. And the third is Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. At a certain point, you will find a chicken with a woman's body and chest, and she becomes a key gameplay mechanic. And then you find her son, which is a head with wings. <laughs> the The second game is probably a brain trying to protect yourself. <laughs> Um, I, that, that's by that's the sounds of it. True. I'm, pro- I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take the archaeologist brush to that particular <laughs> set of ruins. Uh, <laughs> I'll just put this put put deadly premonition safely in the cupboard. And uh, oh, hey, look at that! I've downloaded the sequel. This is probably going to be fine. <laughs> Famous last words. Yeah, this is fine. It's like that meme with the dog in the flaming apartment. Exactly, this is fine. Exactly. Yeah. I, I will say, out of the... It's either five or six people I've had on, you're the first person to put something in the middle cupboard. Really? I, 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 had, a, I had a feeling that's, that was the one that was empty. Everything else has been a guilty pleasure, and I'll tell you some of the games I've had on here, right? Obviously, Deadly Premonition. The PS3 version of Skyrim. Uh-huh. The 360 version of Kane and Lynch 2. Final Fantasy X-2, I managed to convince someone to keep it as a guilty pleasure. That is my fault. I will live with that decision, that guilt, to the day I die. That one's going and into the whoops. portal for me. It, but I, I managed to convince him, convince him it was a guilty pleasure. Um, I'm not quite sure that was a good idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it is a game in which and, you play dress-up, which is one of my favorite genres of game. I'll, I'll tell you about that in a second. All right. Um, JK, JK came up with a, a line for that, which I hate, but it's also genius. It's a Zen level of genius. And the other one was Risk of Rain 2, which is in the in the uh, guilty pleasure. So I haven't had anyone delete a game yet. Really? I'm quite surprised at that. Who wanted to put one no. in the uh, seventh hell of Dante's Inferno? That was Kane and Lynch 2. <laughs> that makes sense. That game should be punished. Uh, at which point I said, which level? And he said, all of them. Um... <laughs> But Final well, Fantasy X Two, if I could, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll plug a, a previous episode. Final Fantasy X Two. Um, whenever I talk about it, because I quite like it, um, I was a a aging teenage lad at the time, so no guessing why I actually played that game, bought it. Um, but with actually playing Final Fantasy X beforehand, which makes it even worse, um, I kind of like that game. I go back to it if I just want to let my brain go on holiday and just do that and watch YouTube at the same time. Yeah. Right? Jay came up with a description for the game that's zen-like, and I hate it. And it's three words. Let's play dress-up. Yeah. That's the game. It infuriates me. It infuriates me how bang on it is, that description. It really does. Yeah. Because, like... And there's, there's, there's no defending it after someone says that. There's none. No. There's nothing you can say. You you have three pretty dolls, and the game is about finding pretty dresses for them, and then switching between those pretty dresses. I'm not getting into this argument again. I I had an I the person I had on that I was talking to. They were a massive Final Fantasy fan, and they, 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 to a point where most of the body was covered in Final Fantasy tattoos. They loved Damn. it. Right? I managed to convince them not to delete it from existence. That's the person who wanted to destroy Final Fantasy X-2 so bad. That's the person, at the very least, that wanted to chuck it in there and never see it again. Wow. So I had the feeling that they were, they were going to delete it from existence. Um, and just from talking about it, agreeing with most of what they had to say, I managed to convince them to keep it as a guilty pleasure. Yeah. I don't know if I can live with that. Well, but I um, mean, 
the one of my favorites of the old guard of Final Fantasy was Final Fantasy V, which had the same let's play dress up mechanic. And that's what I freaking loved about it. Mm. It's like, ooh, I got a new hat. Like when you discover a new job, you're like, I can't wait to see what this one looks like in gray. Ooh, ooh, blue mage. What do they do? Backtrack, backtrack. Not good. Don't idea. do it. Don't do um, it. I mean, I mean, just complete tangent here. My, my f- favorite Final Fantasy game, and I, and I will die on this hill saying this, is Final Fantasy Nine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so awesome. And then I was talking with the fr- with the friend of the show. She's called Lulu. So that's what a tagline is. She's played all the Final Fantasies. Now, the biggest career highlight for her playing Final Fantasy was she finished Final Fantasy Thirteen. Right, and she said she was sat there in her front room with a PS3 pad, crying. A partner came in and said, "What's up? Is it is the game that good?" And she said, "No, I'm free." <laughs> and Jay said to her, "You should put that on your CV because that is a hell of an achievement." <laughs> right? We we were talking about Final Fantasy, and she sort of made me realise something. And it's one of those where someone says something, and you quickly go through your head everything that you remember about Final Fantasy Nine. Final Fantasy Nine is told from the point of view of Vivi. Yep. Yeah, everything, everything is from his point of view, and it's when she said that everything changed, yep. and I, I just said I immediately have to go back and play this. Yes. I have to, and then she said, and that one scene where you stood on the cliff and it's just tinkle tinkle. Yes, I remember that as well. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's um, that's my favorite one. Anyway, tangent over. Fair enough. We we won't bash Final Fantasy Ten two anymore because I'll. I, there's no way I can defend it. I don't want to, Fair but enough. I don't at the same time, which is a very strange, complex mix of emotions. Um, I was I I re, when replayed eight. We, we can we can do tangent zone for just a little bit more. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't yeah, replayed yeah. eight because uh, I got it on when I had when I was in my Vita days, and um, was remembering just man the shit we put up with in those days, like mm-hmm. having to wait to find a save point. How did we live with ourselves? And um, there is a point in Final Fantasy VIII where you will be on a train. You're on a train car. You want that train to leave because you want to go where that train is going. And you will try to leave that train car. And I want to get I want to get it exactly right, and I can find it. Okay. I will say while you're looking for that Final Fantasy, I remembered of a few things. One, you have to find a dirty book for a guy who gets stomach cramps. Two, it's the only game I know of where you name your ring. Yes, that's right. And three, it's the only game that I know of where if you're not looking to unlock everything, it works out better for you if you beast through the game as quickly as possible, as low level as possible, because all the enemies level up with you. Yeah. For something my brother Jay couldn't understand. <laughs> I got to the end of the first disc at level 18, because I knew what I was doing. He decided to, before going to get Ifrit as a GF, to go into the training hall, or the training area, yeah. and get to level 66. Oh my, oh my god. So the seed mission... Only Squall survived. Everyone else was getting killed in one hit because there was level 66 and level 9 characters. And he wondered why he struggled. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, I... Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. That's busted math. I love that. (laughs) 
He's just making it harder for himself. He didn't understand. Um. So yes, so you are you are on a train with Renault, Aquistus, and Zell, and you cannot get off the train because you are waiting for the train to leave. And the only way to make it move is you talk to Zell, and you get two options: leave him alone or stay put. <laughs> one of those options will make the train start moving. The other one, you just will stay there. I'm trying to remember now. Is it is it leave him alone and then the train starts going? Because I know if you stay put, you literally just stay there. I think it's leave him think. alone. And then it's like, okay, great, the train starts moving. Later, you get on another train that won't start until you try to leave it. <laughs> Mixed messages, mixed signals, much. Yeah. <laughs> and this time you go to jail, and oh, I'm not. I'm. I'm I can't do this anymore. Yeah, it's 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 one of those. <laughs> We're not going to um, do Jerry plays shamefully old nineties games. You don't want to fall down that hole because you never get out again. You'll try and dig up and still go down. It's not a good idea. That's that's a whole different, whole different story, whole different episode. Let's wrap this up because why what? the hell not? Because uh, this is the longest one I've recorded so far, and it's going to be fun to edit. Well, right. Proud of that. So, um, first of all, thank you for being, being on, Johnny. It's been a laugh and a half. It's been really fun um, talking about this weird-ass game <laughs> in length. Of I, I never thought I'd I'd see a dungeon sex cult as a positive for a game, but that's a first for me. Yeah. Um, I can put that on my CV. This is what maybe video not. games is a unique uh, genre for that reason. <laughs> a a point-and-click adventure game as a third-person shooter. Who knew? It's, it works. What's next? The system Final, works. Final Fantasy is a karting game. Let's not go down Ooh, that road. We, we could be here all day. Um, let's not think about Chocobo racing. So, if uh, this is where Jay comes in handy, he's good at this, I'm not. He, he tends to sort of, he's got a script and he falls. He's been doing this for years. So I'll just say, socials, if people wanted to get a hold of you or find out about your, your podcast or what your podcast does or whatever, where could we get hold of you and remind us about your podcast again? So my my podcast is called The Monster's Playbook. It is a real play RPG podcast. We use the Monster of the Week rule set uh, by Michael Sands from Evil Hat of owned by Evil Hat Productions or Generic Games. I'm not sure who's publishing it these days. Uh, so it's very story heavy. We do a, a long form. We run it kind of like a TV show. We are in our second mm. season. We started recording in our second season. A bit confusing. Um, basically, it is... I run the game. I play everybody who isn't the characters. The players play this group of monster hunters who run around mm. uh, the town, the city where I live, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and the Twin Cities area. So... And we, anyway, we are online at monstersplaybook.com. We are on Twitter and ins no, no, we are on Facebook and Instagram at monsters playbook. And we are on Twitter at monster playbook because of character limits. And you can also email us Twitter being Twitter for Twitter reasons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm. and you, we, we are emailable at monstersplaybook at gmail.com. We are, well, Never mind. At time of recording, we're running a dice giveaway, but I think I'm certain that will be over by the time this plays. Yeah, I, I don't know the release cadence for this. So I'm, I'm sure it's months. It's months for us. We, we. I mean, the thing I do want to say is sort of if I'm if I can enter the the plug zone is mm -hmm. one we have a one. It's one of our players who actually edits our podcast, 
and she puts in sound effects and music and it it's 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 a as the person who was there playing it and doesn't listen to these until she's done editing it it's a real treat to watch our watch our game sessions like a emotionally affecting tv show so mm. i mean i i, I recommend so- it i like it <laughs> <laughs> As somebody who does that myself, I always like throwing in sound effects that are not expected. Inapt. I'm 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 a big fan of cartoon sound effects from like Looney Tune eras. And uh, back in the day cartoons, so there tends to be a lot of that in the main show. Nice. Waffling Taylors. I just throw it in for the hell of it. Um <laughs> and nobody can I stop, found, stop you. Yeah. I mean I found nowhere to lie, I found the file, the file of sound effects that the Cartoon Network show Ed, Ed and Eddie use, and I had a field day with it. Oh, my goodness. I loved it. I... Random elephants. That's all I'm going to say. Random elephants. I, upon a time, found out that they had the CDs of the BBC Radio sound effects library at my local public library, and you could check them out for free, and you could copy them to your computer and then you could just do whatever you want with them <laughs> it's uh, it's a nice day when someone says i got all these sound effects just add it to all of them i'll get it in the library them. babe we'll make it happen just just one full day of listening and laughing your ass off <laughs> i'm calling it that putting it in this folder i'm gonna use that and you end up having like 76 that's gonna be them, my you, know? you made a dumb joke sound yeah well, with me, uh, just just before I completely wrap up, whenever we do the Waffle and Taylor's episode, and someone like trips over the words and go, "Oh, sorry," and then or they they trip over the words and we make a laugh out of it, I put in the the honk sound from Untitled Goose Game. Ah. It's the so it's like bah, bah, out of nowhere, and it it just first time I did it, Jay was listening to it. And, what the hell was that? I was oh, it's it's just honk. the honk from the Goose Game. No, <laughs> yeah, I found it. I put it in. Why not? <laughs> The marketing materials for that game cracked me up the whole time. There was a mm. tweet that was like, features, dedicated honk button. You can honk whenever you want. What more do you want in the game? <laughs> bit out of place in a Street Fighter game, I'll be honest. But, uh, you know, Untitled Goose game kind of works. Honestly, would have probably so, made sense in Deadly Premonition, though. <laughs> Just whenever you hear a honk sound, you go into the spirit world. Uh, I'm not going down That's that. Right. Thing. right. And as you, as you can tell, I've mentioned this before, I have real trouble ending episodes. So I'll give it my best hey, shot. You and me both. So, yeah. So um, you have been for the past insert number of time here listening and wasting your time by listening to an episode of Cupboard of Shame that is brought to you by the Waffle and Tailors. Me, Squidge, Jay isn't here. I'll have to get him on at some point. I have been, um, it was me and Johnny. It was been a two-player episode. Thank you for being on again. Um, if you want to find anything to do with Waffle and Tailors socials, I'm not very professional about this. Just go to Google, type in Waffle and Tailors. There's waffleandtailors.rocks, which is our website. We've got Twitter. We've got Facebook. DMs are open. There's various bits on youtube i'm going to try and get back on twitch again um just be playing games and people hell and abuse at me it's a lot of fun um so with that in mind i would like to say thank you johnny for joining me thank you for making it a very enjoyable nearly one o'clock in the morning when we finish for me um it was well worth staying up although i am very knackered now so uh i will say thank you very much for joining me and i'll catch you later thank you for having me it was great to talk Jay, right, he doesn't know anything about these until I record them. And he came round, my brother, he came round because he doesn't live in the same city as me yeah. um, at the weekend. 
I just finished recording one and I was giggling for the rest of the night and he was really concerned. Because he has no idea what we <laughs> talked about and I can't wait to see his reaction once like, he actually listens to it. Oh no, is this going oh, yeah. to be funny or is this going to be terrifying or both? No, that's recording. It hasn't shat itself yet. I know it's only five seconds Yay. in, but... Yeah. Proud of you. But don't, don't give it too much praise, seriously. It's, uh... It's it's not worth it in the long run. It'll know I'm 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 only fooling. Good to mention stuff. We'll put all the stuff in the show notes. Anyway, awesome. when it goes out, I'll get them out of the way now. Oh, that's mortifying. Anyway, I'll be doing some of that. So apologies oh, that's to fine. future you in advance. No, 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 no. If if I do it in the podcast, I just leave it in anyway. <laughs> it's, uh, it's 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 my show. Outro music is I Need You Watashi no Sabate by GH. See the show notes for more details.